Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kids of all ages, it's Josh and Tom Devour the World. <laughs> I am your host, Josh Battenhorst. And I am your other host, Tom Chalmers. And uh, welcome to our show that we set about to do, where we are checking in as to uh, just what is it that we are feeding our heads with, uh, whether that be food, drink, and thoughts, or uh, other ideas. Uh, because we used to go and do those things together out in the world in a great city called Asheville where there are so many choices on any cor corner on every night. But now we do so individually. <laughs> well, we, we, we're connected through technology and connected with uh, another gentleman who for the last, I would say, decade or so, uh, we've had the pleasure of not only enjoying the world with, but also performing for the world with. We have a third member of the improv troupe Reasonably Priced Babies, our musical musician, piano player extraordinaire, Aaron Price. Aaron, welcome. Thank you. Uh, are you there, Aaron? Did we I'm lose right you? here. Hey, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so, so yes, Aaron plays for us, but uh, Aaron plays for just about any combination of musicians who have seen at some point. Uh, Aaron has played with them, uh, yeah. Wham Bam Bowie yeah. Band, on down. But uh, we're excited to talk to him today about some of his own music, as he has just released an EP. And uh, good on you for taking your quarantine time to uh, produce something, instead of withdrawing into misery as I have. I, well, my, my time has not been without its its consumption, although I was really excited when uh, society slammed on the brakes almost a year ago. I, I thought to myself, this is it. We all get to uh, we all get to do the things that we said we would get around to if there was ever time. <laughs> and the, the chips are on the table, you know. Yes. Uh, so if you would be so, yeah, we want to talk to you about your music, but uh, remind us of the various bands and musical combinations that you've been a part of. Oh, good. Well, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go backwards uh, down the list of people that I've been talking to lately. Um, I, and probably my oldest band uh, is Vendetta Cream. We started off as Vendetta the Nines. We've been doing cabaret and swing music in Asheville to us. It feels so surreal to say for like 22 years. Um, but yeah, but you Kelly, guys are a hoot. Kelly Barrow was one of the first musicians I, I met in Asheville. And I, I do, I tend to gravitate towards working with singers. And um, she's just, a, she's just a great one. And then uh, yesterday I was, I was uh, exchanging text messages with the great songwriter, Jeff Thompson, um, who I don't get to see enough of. Um, Jeff's amazing. The day before that, it was uh, the birthday of my friend Andre Chumley, who I play in the Wham Bam Bowie Band with, um, which is a very, very fun uh, Bowie tribute project. So it goes on. and I, uh, I think the best in that category. There has been one or two that has come to town that I have stood and scoffed at. Mm -hmm. I, think I, I think I scoffed with you once. Did you yes. see those with the orange peel? uh one of them but yeah again and they're perfectly fine they're just not as good as what you guys do <laughs> well we do it with four which is which makes it a real challenge you know i don't think bowie bowie rarely traveled with a band that small maybe the, like the ziggy stardust band was was a rock four or five piece but yeah i uh i play keys and bass in that group sometimes simultaneously <clears throat> i miss it <laughs> 
you also play with the Zealots. Yes, the Zealots is going to be a. It's always a fun project. The uh, the ever wordy George Terry McDonald, um, <laughs> who's actually uh, has a great gallery of of uh, paintings at uh, Revolve Studio. If you dare to go down there with a mask on, um, he'll show you around his his layer of paint, <laughs> layers of paint in his paint layer. <laughs> but uh, you know, the the reasonably priced baby's gig that was that one that we did outdoors a couple months ago was like a highlight of this whole time period it was really really great that was a good time and then uh yeah going back about a year or year and a half ago you also recognized nice article in the paper about how you are kind of the musical center for uh many of the churches in this area yeah well once one church in particular the west Asheville presbyterian church i've i've served there for uh a lot of years um almost as long as i've been playing with vendetta cream (laughs) But, um, you know, interestingly, that uh, that church group, which I was always kind of a, a, a more elderly congregation and just kind of struggled to keep up with the, you know, the bohemian style gentrification of West Asheville is that congregation is kind of faded away. And I think I think that building is going to become something other than West Asheville Presbyterian Church here in the next couple of years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah they're definitely they're morphing you know just like death of members and lack of tithes during the the pandemic i um i always say like i I probably wouldn't be attending a church if i didn't work at one but i can also say that i've met some of my best and uh longest had some of my long-term friends in the west Asheville presbyterian church so that's a that's a big change in my life i know we're telling inside stories now but yes i i ran into uh, a nice old couple in line at the Oh yeah, the, the Greek festival here in town, uh, right. and somehow uh, your name came up, and they just they they <laughs> melted with delight at, at mention of of, of you um, because of their connection with you at that church. Yeah, well, it's been fun. I think I'm I'm lucky that I found that I found that place because I tend to like I like the old the older like uh, gospel style of music. And that's what they like too. So a whole new, a whole new breed of like contemporary praise music that is, sometimes it just tries to. It sounds like you're trying to get laid with Jesus or something. Like I, I never, <laughs> which is which is your fifth band, Get Laid with Jesus. Yes. Um, <laughs> our first our first record, God is great. Yeah. <laughs> with the single come into the holiest of holies i'm sorry <laughs> like oh man this is getting bad isn't it <laughs> this is a whole different podcast episode I think, so. <laughs> and as lightning strikes the zoom uh, <laughs> uh, and then maybe not the best time to then mention this but uh, uh we have all also worked together uh teaching theater in town as part of uh, theater camps and otherwise, but you also uh, teach in schools. Yeah, I do. I teach, uh, I teach through the Asheville symphony uh, for the Asheville music works program, which is a very amazing uh, emotional intelligence program that uses music as the, the carrier for that emotional intelligence uh, study. And it's an everyday after school, all music program. The, the kids in that program get 15 hours a week of music instruction after school. And it's on a sliding, sliding tuition scale. So that's, that's really, yeah, it's really awesome. great. 
Yeah, yeah that description sounds like a mini mission statement for what we're hoping to talk about here. Ah, good. How like music might inform your emotional intelligence and otherwise. That's great. Um, yeah. So yeah. good. Well, great. You know, I, I'm always <laughs> delighted and surprised to be reminded of all the things uh, that you do while still sort of carrying an air of the casual musician that you sort of assume. Um, what do you do anyways? Otherwise, just walk around looking good in a scarf. And then you go, oh, actually, you're constantly busy doing many, many impressive things. Okay. Uh, um, Aaron's maybe not consuming the town so much as the town is consuming Aaron constantly, yes. it sounds like. Uh, I have I have felt that way. It's definitely, uh, uh, you know, I it is a full-time music career that I have. And it is all-consuming at times, especially, I mean, just the freaking commutes in Asheville going from rehearsal to like sometimes like rehearsal gig gig in one night get up the next morning go to church rehearsal rehearsal plan the lessons for this week it really it it is it, it is an all-consuming profession but um it's rewarding I wouldn't have it any other way unless I could somehow get benefits <laughs> <laughs> um so now let's play our game. We've been checking in with guests along the way, musicians, uh, artists, radio personalities, and business people. Just wondering, yeah. what are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you thinking these days, literally I, and figuratively? I, I I just have to say this is a this is a very good uh, premise of a podcast you guys have, especially starting now because. Um, we all had the we all kind of got forced to change what we consume at least in terms of our uh consume with our hours mm -hmm. and uh, we've all just been doing the best not to let not to let life consume us and all that stuff but um i had a very great weekend it was my birthday last weekend happy birthday and uh thank you both of my children uh independently cooked awesome meals for me so let me just start there if i may <coughs> you my may. daughter left my daughter Lila uh, rolled into town on Sunday, having asked me like a, a couple weeks ago what my favorite cuisine was, and I, I kind of had a feeling she was planning a birthday dinner for me by asking me that question, and I just uh, spun the wheel and said German, <laughs> <laughs> which is like not known. Germany is not like known for its flashy cuisine or anything, but. Uh, I guess when I answered that question, I was in the mood for some sauerkraut. So she came to town and I've never seen so many varieties of smoked ham and the charcuterie plate that she prepared was amazing. So I wish I could say I ate that every week, but this was a one-off. Nice. You get uh, those for your birthday. And and then I'm, I have to say, I'm a little surprised because it always shocks me. I know Finn is, is older, like a teenager now, but in my mind, Finn is still like six, you know? So, so like, just because I've known him since he was a baby. And so, uh, so, so tell, tell me what did uh, your youngest uh, make? Well, he at his, he at his mother's house, they just purchased a, a, a fine it's like a ferrari of grills it's got like a charcoal side and a gas side and um we had a huge cookout it was awesome beef shish kebabs chicken tenders all on the gas grill and he's he's very excited you know at the at the age of 12 like running the grills kind of like mowing the lawn like you don't realize that it could just become kind of like a thing and a routine and boring over the years but like he was stoked yeah that's awesome that's awesome it's like 
Yeah, it's great when you see it, see it when you see one of your kids stoked about something right now because the kids are like, he gets up every morning before I do, and he's on his on his Zoom class like without fail. He's very dedicated to it. Does he enjoy it? No. <laughs> Does he wish he was at school? Yes. But um, yeah. So our mornings typically start off with uh with a big bowl of oatmeal. And um, I, I shop at the co-op and we get uh, we get the big 25 pound bags. It's like, how cheap can you make your breakfast? Like buy the 25 pound bag of oats from the co-op. <laughs> it'll, it'll take you like four months to finish it if you eat oatmeal every day. <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's stay with the topic of German food. You are talking to Josh Battenhorst. Um, uh, so what is the kind of takeaway from eating german food is it just this feeling of stuffed and satisfaction or do you feel like like either of you is it is it something that fuels you is it to stir up crazy ideas of well so german so the the salted meat the 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 sausage and things german meat saving practices are kind of what fed eventually became a lot of the Texas barbecue as well. Like the idea of like salting and curing meat and then having it, you know, cooked in that way and, uh, or like turned into a sausage. So like, so I, I've got it coming and going, this sort of like love for the German, um, <laughs> the German meat packing process. Uh, but yeah, you know, you're sort of like you're, you're, but also this, I, li I like sides from Germany too, like the yeah. sauerkraut and the spetzel and the, like those are all all delicious things, and yeah, and yes, you definitely come away feeling full uh, and and sated. I guess is the is the feeling. Um, you could you could compare the uh, the the coleslaw that comes with Texas barbecue to the kraut, you know, the cabbage dish that sure. you have in a German meal. And uh, uh, and other than flavoring, what, what function do you feel like the cabbage has? Does it kind of cleanse you of the meat? I mean, is, does does it kind of help to? Yeah. Yeah, um, the make sure it doesn't st away. stick around too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like in there. It's like a little German officer on the inside of your body. Was like, you how march your way through the through the digestive system? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I well, think that's right. That's awesome, uh, Aaron. Good for you for being celebrated a couple times with with great food. Uh, that was great. I'm going to jump into a topic of food and just acknowledge that this week I'm coming at things a little differently. Um, it makes sense that since I'm on with both of you guys, I miss performing with you two and with Raising Price Babies so much. So this week I'm sort of talking about things I, I miss consuming. And I start with, we talked about this, Josh was on the, the sports talk show that I do with Scott Bunn and uh, Super Bowl parties and all that stuff. And I just look, you know what I miss? I miss potlucks. I miss yes. people coming together to bring different foods um, to have this where the, you know, the, the, the sum is greater than the parts kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I'm just, <laughs> I've already checked in how I'm not necessarily the most fantastic preparer of foods. Um, but you should feel good about that one thing you do well, rather than sort of being tired of the only thing you do well. Um, <laughs> so if we all just have to do one thing, uh, and Josh, this kind of goes back, you remember when we were talking about uh, Plato? Uh, sure, yeah. Republic and everything, like if everyone focuses on doing the thing that they do well, then collectively we can form this kind of like polis, this 
it's you know, the specialization society. of labor. It's like the Henry Ford assembly line of, uh, of, of cuisine, right? Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I just, I missed that, but A, because I benefit so much more from being around other people's ability mm. to create generally tasty food. Uh, and then yes, it's just sort of my wife and I, we will often bring um, rosemary uh, olive bread and a kalamata spread kind of thing like that's kind of like the thing that we bring you know, not, not much of a, a, a yes I've but it's good that. and people are always like oh yeah but it's always the thing that gets eaten first and people are like this is good we're like eh, good. we got off with the like bread and jar um but then anyways, <laughs> i just missed that of kind of like kind of it, it you know it, it takes a village to put out a, a genuine spread um and just that idea of you know, like the you know, the thread that goes out. Who's bringing this? Who's bringing that? I love the occasional accidental competition. Ooh, two cornbreads. Ooh, I'll try the jalapeno one first. You know, but I just I just miss that. I miss potlucks. I miss bringing food together and just having this wealth of options. Very quickly, a sweet story about that is there's a a great dive bar right around the corner where I lived in Los Angeles called the White Horse. Um, there's a white horse everywhere uh, and great dive bar. Uh, and there is a good place to go because they would put out hot dogs at some point every evening. They would just kind of put out a little thing of hot dogs. But on Thanksgiving, they did a potluck where all the sort of regulars kind of show up with just a pot of something. And again, these are like regulars at a, at a dive bar kind of thing. But it was awesome. Uh, we sort of went there after a full meal because uh, we're like, hey, let's go grab a beer. It's right around the corner. And all of a sudden, like, wait, they do Thanksgiving here. And it was just you didn't feel sad for anybody involved, um, which is not a typical feeling in that bar. Um, but that, that, that is where I'm at. Uh, I missed it on Super Bowl Sunday and I, I miss it regularly is stepping into a room where, man, look what everybody else can do that I get to enjoy. <laughs> well, when I was thinking about this is like, what phase of reopening, you know, uh, you know, we're not even in a phase of reopening right now, but or, you know, we're at 50% capacity in restaurants or whatever. At what phase does Fauci finally come up and go, okay, you can have potlucks again? You, you know, the, <laughs> the potluck the phase, phase. You know, we'll know we'll, we're back when we can come and we can like dig <sighs> uh, spoons and possibly even double dip into uh, the uh, the olive tapenade. <laughs> yes. Double dip. That's reminding me, all, all this talk about potlucks is reminding me of. Uh, that one of the first things that I did, like the pandemic was like not fully acknowledged um, in the US and I had to play a funeral in Weaverville. And um, I showed up and I was the only one with a mask on and I like had my hands in it. I like sprayed down the piano keys before I played in the church and we got done like setting up for the funeral. And then what do I do? I go up into the the kitchen uh, on the hill up above the chapel, there's a potluck set up. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> what well, are we doing? Yes. Yeah, I felt like one. Of, I felt like one of the uh, I felt like one of the people who was ahead of the curve because nobody else even gave a damn. Uh -huh. There might be germs. And that was the last time that I had a potluck. And that's probably the most most condemned type of gathering you could have, except maybe a I don't know, a, a sex party or something. <laughs> well, I mean? um, <laughs> not, not, there's no easy <laughs> Any sort of buffet. Yes. But uh, my my younger daughter is delivering pizzas right now as one of her jobs. And she uh, took some deli deliveries to a church recently. And she's like, you know, it was like 10 pizzas. And so I brought them in and they're all, they're all inside. 
And so I'm trying to like, you know, hand them out and just kind of get out as quickly as possible. And I'm wearing a mask. He's like, nobody in there was wearing a mask. They're in like this fellowship hall and it's not even a very big one. And then like, as soon as I'm about to leave, they're like, everybody tell the Papa John person, (laughs) thank you. And so everybody turns and screams, thank you. And she's like, I just basically was turning and flying out of there as fast (laughs) as I could. I didn't even really care about the tip. Just don't give me coronavirus. Uh, So yeah, I mean, people are all over the spectrum in terms of the sort of safety that protocols that they're doing and i think tom the thing that i miss and and because i'm going to take my cue from you about it it is something that i'm thinking a lot about and we're all consumed by and we're all and we're all thinking about a lot but i am so tired of thinking about the um just how sanitary things are all of the time (laughs) and and just like like we went out to go walk the dogs you know the other day at carrier park and our conversation just very quickly like turned into well are we is it is there a mask here do like how close are we going to be to people oh my god look at all of the people that are in the actual dog park i don't think we want to like go do put our dogs in with all these other i don't know you know and it just like instead of what should have been just like a yay that's the first like kind of spring day of february we're gonna go try to go get a walk in and then you go out and it just like turns into a, a lot of like stress and second guessing second guessing and i'm so tired of 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 that consuming me and of me consuming like every shred of information that i can get about you know the sanitation i know it's important i'm thankful for the people in my life that you know look out for me and are like hey you got your mask you know and stuff like that but at the same time i am tired of it (laughs) i'm tired (laughs) as well tired of the mask the mask that consumes your 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 visual persona yeah 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 i mean i i like to say my eyes are my best feature anyway though so you know it it does definitely bring some attention to that which is is nice yeah you know but if your mouth and nose are covered you can make one expression with your eyes it could be either like complete amusement or like complete annoyance or like dread it, like aggression. i noticed that a lot of the times what the way people are looking at me and maybe this is just because of the way that i look in a mask but it kind of looks like they're just terrified and i'm not <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i'm not not sure um oh. so I, let's why don't we you know one of the things that i have also been enjoying about consuming during this time though is i really have turned to listening and creating a lot of music and so i wanted to talk to you aaron why do what's the difference between an ep and lp a cd like how i don't know like how do we call this we call it a recording because it's on like how do like your new your latest release we'll call it a release i guess uh i don't i I just call it a recording actually because in terms of the duration of it it's it's eight songs okay which which would fill front and back of an lp right uh, very nearly but like i when what's your first remembering of, of hearing about an ep i thought i thought that an ep just meant like something that was not quite as long as an album but maybe wouldn't fit on a 78 i think it means extended play like is that long right. as a play i don't know yeah uh, yeah my first memory i i think i had an uh rem ep that's probably the first ep i ever bought of of, of a band or otherwise whereas yeah not, yeah it's somewhere between like four and seven songs um so not a full album but not not just a single release yeah and i don't know uh 
I'm not I'm not the expert on that, especially when it comes to like record labels. I've never actually dealt with one, but I think it probably has something to do with the label saying like, yeah, this isn't going to get the marketing that a full album would like. Um, but like, <laughs> probably it, something like, like that. It has the feeling of like a little special bonus thing, a bonus recording or release back when they weren't so ubiquitous. But like EPs. More than a single, I guess, right? You know, because because yep. that used to be the thing too. It's like they would literally release singles. I remember being able to buy like cassettes of just the single, you know, which was kind of cassettes singles. Yes, singles. That's right. Oh yeah, I forgot about cassettes. Like a little <laughs> somehow more disposable cassette because it was like a little paper sleeve and not the plastic, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, did you write most of these songs during during this past year, or how long how long have you been working on these songs? Because um, I just went back and listened to it again. Uh, some of these, you know, you shared some with me actually over the summer, I think, and and yeah, that I that I recalled and ended up on on the recording. So, uh, wh- how long have you been working on it? When where did some of this stuff come from? Let's start with well, how long. I, I was running. Uh, I founded Collapsible Recording Studio in West Asheville. Uh, we, well, we moved to our spot in West Asheville in the year 2000, and right uh, the last two years that that studio was open, uh, 14 and 15, I laid the demo work for a bunch of these songs. So most of the drums you'll hear on that record were actually recorded. Um, th- this is not new material. Um, okay. It's newly com- it's newly completed, and in a lot of cases, uh, a lot of cases, the, the lyrics have been revised a little bit, but. Um, those those are drum tracks from my old studio, which I miss a lot. Yeah, I bet. Did you do the so, drum work, or where did the drums come from? Oh no, no. Um, my good friend Bill Smith, who uh, was in the Asheville band uh, Truth and Salvage Company. I guess Truth and Salvage Company is more of a more of a West Coast band. The, the Scrappy Hamilton guys. Gotcha. I don't know if you guys remember Scrappy yep, Hamilton? They they kind of uh, they kind of migrated to to L.A. Um, and the label guy, I think. Uh, encourage them to have a name change to Truth and Salvage Company. Anyways, their drummer, uh, William Byron Smitty Smith, um, always one of my favorite Asheville drummers. I wish, uh, Bill, if you're going to listen to this, I wish you were still here, but um, we can listen to Bill Smith on the new record Voyager. And so I, when the pandemic struck, I pulled out this hard drive and I was like, this is the time. Like, I've never been able to find, you know, three days in a row to work on this material much less two months so i just tore into it and uh basically like working with those older drum drum and bass tracks i just redid everything else and added to it so the music is new the song ideas are not it's definitely not a pandemic recording in terms of the concept of it or anything like that but um yeah yeah. i i thought i was really taken i loved I, i love the album i listened to it again today like i said there's lots of things that I found kind of unexpected from even having known you for so long. Like there's a lot of like romantic vibe in, in there. Lots of like, you know, uh, some, there's some, there's some pining and some, and some, uh, yeah. there's, there's, there's a song. I don't know how uh, tongue in cheek it is, but <laughs> I'm not really meaning the pun, but the song, but the, the, the song about making out, uh, there's, yeah. the, <laughs> you know, uh, I, it was i i was like that's that's great so i hear a lot of like your sense of humor and some of the stuff too but also like uh so where was some of this coming from do you do you you mind sharing well um i don't but it's funny because i didn't i didn't really discover the the thread of love um 
that was running like, through yeah. those songs. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you get right down to it, like it's, it's a collection of songs, mostly about like the end, the end of love or uh, recalling love or wishing love was different. There are, there are some celebrations of love on there as well, but I, that didn't even hit me until I was like most of the way through making the songs. And I was like, wow. Um, the song stars and making out, which you referenced is right. about making out, but I actually didn't write, there's two songs I didn't write the lyrics to. Um, uh, there's a local poet, Justin Blackburn, and I heard him read those words at a poetry reading. And oh, wow. um, yeah, I thought to myself, oh, that's going to make a great song. And um, I don't know if he ever thought of it that way, but I, I, I bought his chat book and kind of just looked at the words for a while. And gradually this sort of like musical theme kept repeating itself as I would read it. So that is one song. And another one uh, on that, on the record called The Promise has lyrics by a guy from Morganton named Ted Pope, who is one of North Carolina's uh, great eccentric artists and poets, visual artists. Ted Pope is, is just amazing. And um, he read the words to that poem at a poetry reading and, and Ted has the, Ted has the, uh, it's kind of like an act he gets done with every poem he reads and crumples up the paper and throws it out, you know, onto the floor of, in front of the stage. And, um, I heard him reading the words to the promise. And as soon as that piece of paper wadded up, hit the floor, I got out of my seat and like snuck up to the front and snagged it. Nice. It, that's so I was listening to, I got a I've had these like series of sort of like synchronic events over the last week and this was one because I got turned on to a new recording of um it's Ram Dass set next to Alan Watts uh like they're like they're recordings of Ram Dass talking but also Alan Watts talking and they're very much talking about individual our our belief in our own individuation and how we think that we're this one thing but really we're all things and that theme is definitely in that song i was listening to that song yeah. i was like wow that's exactly what i was just listening to alan watts talk about is how you know all the way back to the raindrops and things we're in that we're in that thing you know um yeah but, we're all there's, uh, a, there's a couple of those like I think there's a real cosmic turn of the album when you kind of get to there and all the way through um, everybody's number as well. Kind of like you get, there's this sort of like sense of uh, being a yeah. part of a bigger universe. Um, I, I agree. I, I like to, I like to visualize uh, the sky and the, and the stars anytime I'm like trying to clear my mind or like, you know, maybe work through work through a notion in my head or like seek self-assurance, which I have to do all the time these days. And, um, you know, the illusion, the illusion of death uh, is no, it's no more of an illusion than maybe the illusion of life is now. Like it's uh, every day, like I, I've been, I've been definitely consuming some more like uh, esoteric stuff. I got way into Terrence McKenna okay. um, about April and started listening to all his you know, musings about uh, psychedelia. And uh, uh -huh. every time I'm on YouTube, Ram Dass pops up like right underneath Terrence McKenna. I haven't, I haven't made that deep dive yet, but um, yeah. Well, Aaron, yeah. I wanted to ask you about the, the music. Uh, I don't know if you remember, you know, what, what you were listening to when you were uh, making the music for this. Um, uh, track one, probably is, is my favorite, but I, I heard a lot of XTC in that. Um, yeah, reminded me sort sure. of skylarking phase kind of, um, but I'm going to 
just curious, do you remember, or I don't even know if that's how you work, uh, what you were listening to while you were making this music, or if you sort of saw any continuity between um, some musical inspirations? I, thanks, Tom. I actually, when I was, uh, I think you got the first copy of this, the first mailbox drop-off copy of this album. I yes. think you had like number one, yeah. All right. I remember Good putting time. a disc in my mailbox and thinking, Tom's gonna like the first track the best. Yeah. And, um, it's definitely like the pop rocker. And um, you can, I've everyone that's heard it that, that knows XTC mentions XTC. I, I absolutely love that band. And um, but it See, wasn't until the other day I thought like actually that the whole rhythm and riff is kind of like this one XTC song called I'd Like That. <laughs> Which is like, you know, I realized that like years later, it definitely has that kind of vibe. I, for me, okay. the banger on the album, I love Voyager, the sec, the, the title track, the second yeah. song. I love the, it's a story song. It's got, it's got a great story to it. Like, I mean, and it's got your daughter's voice on there as well. Yeah. Uh, and, which and I just, and I love the way she adds into that, into that second verse. There's, um, in fact, I think for the listeners, this is where I'd like for them to be able to listen to this track um, from Aaron Price's new album, Voyager. Listen to Voyager.
Aaron, it was very funny that you did leave it in your mailbox. And I happened to come right when the mailman was there. So we sort of had this weird kind of standoff in the driveway of like, well, I need to get there. But you need to get there. But my car's in the way. So, <laughs> so he's like, you go. And I'm like, okay. And then, but uh, he had already put all the mail in. Um, so I had to like dig through to kind of get to it. I'm taking everything out. And he's like, you're canceling all my work. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because I think technically you're not supposed to leave anything in the mailbox. It's not mail. It's true. Uh, particularly <laughs> when the mailman's standing right there. Um, all right. He's a cool one, though. Was it the skinny dude with the ponytail? Possibly. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's too funny of a story for me to cut out. I think we're going to have to leave that in there. That's 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 you too do good. Do. Uh, we're I back with to... Aaron Price of uh, uh, of Aaron Price <laughs> and of Reasonably Price Babies and of about every other band in town uh, that you can imagine. We've been talking about his new record release, uh, new recording, Voyager. I've uh, been just kind of going through the tracks and. Um, yeah, I mean, I, Tom talked a little bit about it, but could you tell us just a little bit about some of your musical influences, people that you either emulate or that you think have kind of like just kind of made their way into your music? Yeah, I'm um, I think I was talking to Tom about this at one point earlier in the year, maybe I am. I'm more of an obsessive listener than a uh, than a scanner. I, I rarely spend hours going through new music. Um, right. If someone points me to a band, I definitely check it out. But I tend to just like really digest records. Like I'll, I remember when I was like 16, I spent like the whole summer listening almost to nothing but uh, 10 Summoners Tales by Sting. Just like over and over and over again, uh -huh. like the musically trained brain gravitates towards that type of listening where you're trying to figure out like what makes a song work. And, uh, you know, how how the 10th time you listen to a song, you hear a whole different part or you, you kind of like look at the song from a new angle. And um, I really always have liked um, fully consuming the music uh, that I listen to rather than like putting on a station of some songs I've never heard. I mean, that's going to happen regardless. But I always try to make time to uh, to really get to know. Um, I'd say of the last 20 years, my, I, I could probably list my my main influences on like five or six fingers. There was a XTC, um, Pink Floyd growing up. Um, I found the music of uh, Rufus Wainwright, thanks to my friend Jeremy Mandel. And uh, he writes some really seriously uh, rich music, if you've ever listened mm -hmm. to Rufus. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Kathleen Edwards and then I, I had to listen to Ben Folds because so many people started telling me that I sounded like Ben Folds and then I finally yeah. got a Ben Folds CD and I was like well, damn they're right we sound a lot alike <laughs> uh, Aaron got two questions for you quick one I'm curious uh, with your uh, teenage children uh, do they have the ability to listen to a song in its entirety or are they constantly switching after 30 seconds oh it makes um, me think of another one. Oh, it makes me think of another one Right. My daughter Lila is a is a voracious listener of of new music. Like she'll show me her Spotify playlists. And I think to myself, this had to have taken you a long time to make this 600 song playlist. And she's like, yeah, and I know every song on it. So it's definitely uh, Phineas takes more after me. I think once once his older sister Lila turned him on to Hamilton, it was all Hamilton all the time, literally for like two years. So now I know Hamilton quite well because every time Finn would come over, on went the Lin Manuel Miranda and David Diggs. So wow! Uh, and then I'll jump off the playlist to talk about again another thing. Um, 
uh, missing uh, during the the quarantine times. Uh, do a show at Asheville FM, do a sports talk radio show. We were one of the shows that was allowed to be in studio because they wanted talk shows to be yeah. live in case they needed to get any information out to the community. Uh, so even the silly sports show got to... Um, but there was sort of uh, an hour that was uh, open uh, after us. So I said, well, I've guest DJed a couple of times. Can I fill that slot with music? Like, great, you go for it. So that was... The sports show with Steve Sachs Syndrome, so I came up with Steve Sachs Sondrome. Um, and yes, yeah, so it's just how my brain works or of thematic music each week with a different theme. And I, uh, but then when things kind of shifted back to regular schedule, they were like, actually, we have appointed DJs to do that and not, I'll do it. Um, but I, oh, I, I just, I missed that so much. That was something that was so satisfying yeah. for me, which was to impose some sort of order during a time when there seemed like there was very little. So I'm curious, this is leading into a question as to how you chose to arrange the songs on your EP. Um, but just that of just like getting to, I don't know if you've ever gotten to DJ, but getting to DJ and just how you, you know, just juice songs together and being surprised that like, God, I was sure I was going to play this song, but it just didn't fit in the, in the playlist. Whereas, and then unexpected threads and then just how certain songs just seem to speak to this, you know, one end speaks to the start of another song and really starting to get a sense of that, you know, like weaving a, a, a set list together. Um, and also, yeah, I just miss making mixtapes too. Again, these are all things I can do, but, uh, but anyways, I, you know, I, I, that was something yeah. that I found during the quarantine that I was surprised how much it meant emotionally to me. And then I would go and take a walk while it was playing on the radio Saturday afternoons at four. And I would just walk and I would just be like, I did this. I oh, made yeah. this. I didn't have anything to do with any of the music and I probably never will because that is not my gift. Um, but again, that's just something I just miss that sense of saying what song should go where and, and just knowing when it's right. You can't explain it, but you just know it's right. So uh, speak to that anyway, but also how you chose to put your songs together on this EP. Well, I think, um, I think curation is an aspect of enjoying music that, that anyone can take part in. Like, uh, like you, for example, by the way, I want to read, I want to read the track list Mm -hmm. that you programmed on onto the station. Um, I had, I had some fun ones. As Um, a, uh, you know, as a record producer, I've, I've produced probably, I don't know, a couple dozen uh, albums for Asheville artists over the years. And, um, uh, that's always one of the first things I start thinking of once I once I kind of get the hang and, and get a couple of those tunes that the artist is working on in the studio in my brain. It's like this one part of my brain starts mm-hmm. to shuffle them around very early on in the process. Like, um, And I think that's probably true for any producer. Oh, this has got to be the opening track on the record. Every time it comes on, I'm just like, yeah, it pulls me right in, you know. Well, but, we were... We were talking about things that we missed uh, during the pandemic somewhat. And um, and so I took a little bit of liberty to bring a little something uh, extra to today's show, uh, a little something that I know that we've been missing and something that I thought might add a little something to our uh, our uh, our time here together. I'm bringing in Monday Carter, another baby. It's all the baby boys together here. <laughs> zooming in, bombing in. It's Monday Carter. <laughs> oh boy do i get to give him a prompt monday <laughs> let us steer you monday oh am i muted? 
You're unmuted. Well, now yeah. we're all here. <laughs> That's a classic Zoom exchange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Well, we've been in the category uh, we... of things I won't miss. Yes. <laughs> Monday, what are you doing? I'm just gonna walk, just gonna walk up to people and be like. <laughs> <laughs> But this is a podcast Monday, so everybody just says, like, what everybody just heard, it's an audio-only podcast. They just heard you go, I'm going to walk up to everyone, and then they heard silence, which is yeah. pretty much what he did. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, my, but my articulation of the of my uh, – someone who read lips would have been very entertained. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're really good, you can hear that. So um, – Aaron, one of the things that Aaron said, and, I, and maybe you guys, you got everybody has their special talents and things, but but I, I love to go see music. I love to catch live music. We've all caught Aaron together on stage. We've seen him. He, we've played with him while he's been playing with us. And one time I'm sitting there and I was watching um, a fish show on the, on the TV. I was watching a TV fish show and I'm watching Paige McConnell. And I was just really taken aback and I was like, man, you know, because when I see a good guitar player, I am not a good guitar player, but I do play at guitar and I see things. I'm just amazed. I'm like, man, Aaron, do you ever like watch these guys play and just be like, how do they do that? And Aaron goes, no, not really. I, I, <laughs> Did I? I, I doesn't sound like something I would I was just trying to be funny, I'm sure. <laughs> no, Aaron was all like, they bore me. <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's funny and in reference to fish particularly though i uh i kind of came into discovering that band from like a jazz sensibility i was like becoming a college jazz snob and when i heard fish i was i just remember this is so hilarious that i would ever think this knowing the band like i do now but i was thinking like man they should get a different keyboardist <laughs> <laughs> But um, it's so it was so good. I mean, that like watching their New Year's live stream where the band is playing chess against the audience on Zoom. That was so that warmed my heart in a very unique way. And I think Fish has the power to warm their audience's heart in unexpected ways. Yeah. And uh, and, you know, that's part of the thing, I think, of, about going live, because I think one of the things about fish and one of the things about going and seeing live music seeing live entertainment live improv you know the it's i what is that what is the thing that it that happens live to to in performance that is not captured on a recording i you know if you had to put your finger on it i don't know oh. and and i mean recordings have their own place clearly like you know it's its own sort of mental and physical task to get something yeah. to record correctly and sound the way that you want it at the, in the end. Uh, but then to do it, turn around and do it live. I mean, that's, that's, all, and see it live. There's just another element of, of something there that it's hard. It's hard to put a finger on. I don't know. Yeah, There's but, a couple of things we talked about it when we, we had Alex Bradley on our first show, like music does sort of shake your atoms uh, in a way that doesn't necessarily happen over a stream. And then for live performance, I would just say stakes, you know, like, we're here now. They're in front of us. Yes, you understand when someone is filming something that it's, you know, happening in real time, but still they're sick. Yeah, but I guess they could just say, all right, cut, let's scrap this and try again if we had to. But so there, there is something about uh, being in the moment of its creation that uh, makes it a little bit more exciting, I think. 
the authenticity is inarguable. You you know what's happening in front of you. So whereas like something could happen because a lot of people worked on it to make it slick, when it's happening right in front of you, you sort of sense what the individual's capable of. You're like, wow, look at that artist just straight out of his mouth. It's coming out awesome. I can feel yep. that and see it. And I, I think, uh, you know, droplets have been given a, a bad rap lately because of their virus. <laughs> They also carry other information. And I, I feel like most of the time people are upset that they might have droplets spat. I have spewed droplets on more pro people than most. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and I mean, I, they, they do say that your brand of comedy is infectious. It, they, <laughs> it, and there's a reason why. And yeah. it's droplets. <laughs> Bundy Carter for the Droplets Defense Fund. Right. <laughs> Scores, I was just thinking about um, when I first started playing with you guys and how uh, it, it's a, it's not really that different improving with comedians and actors as it is like, uh, like playing jazz. It's all, it requires the same listening, the same yes and. And um, it was funny like to hear to hear you guys like label, for example, the yes and, which is which is a way of just um, um, sort of catalyzing your your fellow performer and encouraging them. Um, I realized like, yeah, I, I know this feeling. It's like when you're playing a good piano solo and all of a sudden the bass player and the drummer like musically yes and you, you know, like they respond <laughs> to a phrase that you play or, yeah. You know, because you're playing so freely, they feel more inspired to play freely. And um, that type of stuff can work in a vacuum, but it's even better when there's an audience that's like the, whatever they say, like the fifth member of the band. Um, I've been in the studio recording, uh, uh, recording bands that are used to having that reciprocal energy because they play live so much that when they get in the studio, there's a noticeable... Uh, sort of lack in the energy that they provide without the audience uh-huh and um, it's funny because like I'll, I'll, i've had bands that they're like we got to bring some people in here to listen this just isn't working <laughs> <laughs> call, the, call the girlfriends call the groupies call our call our roadies <laughs> like let's have let's have an audience in here and yeah. it makes a difference it really does so, Aaron, are you getting any opportunities to play and rehearse with any of these bands that you that we we mentioned earlier, or is it still completely shut down in your world? I know that I saw you with uh, one of the newer bands back in the summer. We you played that gig at uh, One World with uh, what was the band? What was the band? Are you is <laughs> that still going? <laughs> um, was it One World or was it Haywood? Fleetwoods. Fleetwood. That was at Fleetwood. Fleetwood. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Drunken Prayer. Morgan Gear. Man. Yeah, um, yes. That was a great. That was a great show. Are you guys fantastic songwriter? Yeah. Anything like that these days. Everybody, check out Drunken Prayer. We did a couple of. I think I've done two or three gigs with that band. Always like outdoors. You know, it's been a. It's been kind of a dull couple months because places just aren't having outdoor shows. Yeah. But um, I actually, I I probably can announce it now because it's on the books. But um. I'm going to be supporting this album playing on the patio of the Gray Eagle on Saturday, April 3rd. I want to make sure I have that date right. The first, first Saturday in April. Um, first Saturday awesome. in April. Yeah. And I, I thought to myself, oh, that's a bit risky because it could be cold. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's, really the, 
that's what the club offered. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I started putting together a band yesterday and I called one drummer who was like, man, I would love to do it, but I'm just not going to play a gig until I get a vaccination. I'm not going to. Yeah. And I, I thought, come to think of it, I haven't seen you anywhere in a mat with a mask on or outdoors in a crowd. Um, I personally like, I, I think it's helpful if you just like set your own personal rules and stick with them. I find it very difficult for to self-justify wearing a mask walking down the sidewalk by myself. But I see people doing it all the time. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but, uh, I find I do that for the comfort of others. Uh, right. Fine. But I see people walking towards me. They're like, eh. I'm like, how hard is it to put on one of my lighter masks just so that yeah. people aren't like clenching because now they have to figure out, do I go across the street? Is he going to go <laughs> right. across the street? So that, that's, that's really why I wear it is uh, not fully the, for yeah. um, the droplet discouragement, but um, it just results in a lot less scrunchy faces. I know, I know. And I'm, I've, I've become, I mean, I've always got one around my neck and I'll, I'll put it on momentarily if I pass somebody. Well, while, while we're making announcements, it may be yeah. news to the three of you actually, but the, the babies have some shows that are penciled onto the books. We've got what? now, they may not happen. I know. <laughs> Everyone take a second to do a spit take. And, uh, and uh, right, <laughs> right now we've got uh, a show in June, which may or may not happen, of course, depending on where we're at, but, or maybe we'll find some alternate way to do it at the Black Mountain Center for the Arts. Uh, one in August, which I'm, I'm, I'm a little more hopeful for because I think we may yeah. have turned a corner by then. And, uh, and I think the, the next one is in October. So we'll, we'll be getting those dates all firmed up. But we've got three that have been penciled in so far. And I'll, I'll make Fantastic. sure it's the exact dates. But that's, you know, uh, personally, I've missed you guys. <laughs> Just I have. I've missed uh, seeing you in person. All in a business way. <laughs> <laughs> like pure well i would second I'm, that motion as well i've missed you <laughs> and uh it's great to have aaron on uh great to to have you on the josh and tom devour the world you as well monday thank you for for zoom bombing in uh unexpected thank you for I, I, bomb. through this as a surprise at tom and aaron because i like a little spontaneity in our lives and on our podcast Please, uh, I'm going to have links to Aaron's uh, Aaron's album uh, to the, the Bandcamp version of the album uh, is Thank probably you. the easiest one to get out there. Uh, are these going to be on Spotify as well? Do you know, Aaron? Or how, Yeah, how they it? will eventually, but I wanted to, I, I set Bandcamp up for a soft release just in the, in the unlikely event that a label picks up this record. Um, they won't touch it if you've already put it out on Spotify at a place where the numbers go under the sound scan system. Gotcha. So it's a little bit flying under the radar, but um, I I can I can proudly say that I've sold some copies since I put it out last week, which is always very yes, as nice. As, as much as people wait to listen to it free, I've, I have had some good supporters, so I want to thank all of them. Um, it is it is a really great album. Uh, lots to enjoy in there. I you know I hear so many of your influences, the ones you mentioned, but also there's some moment like you talked about the promise like i think that'd be a great musical theater like piece for for someone to like use as an audition piece or something it's just a great right. song. uh but thanks for being a pixar it. film um this is i've been, met uh, a lot of um philip sousa you know uh in your work 
<laughs> it's that two beat it's that it's that momentum isn't it Monday? yeah it's that relentless relentless momentum <laughs> well thanks for marching with us today uh and we uh encourage everyone to check out aaron price on Bandcamp, and that's it for this week thanks for joining us That was Aaron Price, Monday Carter. So yes. great to see both of them. I, yes, I sure do miss them. I, I miss doing shows with them, uh, as I do with you. Miss being out at shows. And uh, with that, made me think. Another thing I miss is uh, uh, I miss someone buying me a drink out of the show, <laughs> um, which you were always good for. Uh, and with that, so, you know, just that that it's always just a little bit more delicious when someone buys it for you. And granted, probably you're going to get to the next round. So it ends up being the same amount of money, but still you get to feel sort of special and generous rather than just feeding your drink habit. Um, <laughs> so I do, I, I miss kind of having someone buy me a drink or buying someone a drink. And uh, we would do shows at the, at uh, Ambrose and I'd sort of come out to, you know, get a beer before the show and people would be in line uh, and then like, let me get you a drink. And I'd be like, Oh, don't really like it's only a dollar for us and you could just see that be so disappointed that i just wanted to buy you a drink man like so just let somebody buy you a drink and if, <laughs> if you're not drinking whatever like sure yeah i'd love a coke you know it doesn't you know i mean i know there are some sensitivities there but uh, i do that I, I miss having someone buy me a drink again you were always good about that if i ever got you in the into a show whatever you're like let, let, hey, let me get you a drink yeah i'd love this i didn't do anything other than just send an email to get into the show but uh Great. So I do. I do miss having someone buy me a drink or buy someone a drink and that sort of communal exchange towards alcohol consumption. Well, I will say I was inspired. You and Tom, you and Tab got out to Old Shakey's or what was once Old Shakey's, the getaway now the getaway, uh, yes. I think is what it's called. And uh, and after our adventure to the dog park, that really just put me into a bad mood. Uh, we were trying to figure out, well, is there anything we could do that might make us feel a little bit better? And so we went and, and I enjoyed that. They have a nice little setup outside near the, um, near the river. And so we went, we went there and got a drink and yeah. felt a lot and just kind of like almost normal for a minute there. So that was almost that needed, that needed to happen after the disappointment of the dog park. Yes. Um, but uh, we've traded such, uh, compliments, but yes, you, you are always a very generous person, Josh. I, I'm never like, uh, got you in the show. God, you can at least buy me a drink. You're always <laughs> like, do more than enough. Um, even when it's not your turn, you, you, you still do it. Well, and vice versa. It's always, I've, I've appreciated you returning the favor as well. And, uh, and hopefully we'll get, be allowed to do so soon. Um, as um, well. All right. Um, Let's Let's get to the, the tail end of our show because uh, always I got something to say, but I'm always excited to hear your song. <laughs> well, Tom, it is time for your take. Uh, Tom's tasty takeaway for you to take out and take home with you today. So, Tom, take it away. A uh, bit of a, a somber reflection on this one, talking about how much I miss seeing these people that I perform with and doing shows and going to shows as it's almost coming up on a year now since that was uh, uh, taken from us. Um, so <laughs> sort of have a, a thing which is in, in dealing with uh, mourning the loss of someone I did uh, you know lose my mom uh, many years back. Um, and I realized there were sort of two mornings, which was when she did uh, 
finally passed. I was so sad that my mom was gone, but also I realized I was also mourning the mom that, you know, growing up and, the, you know, so you can uh, lose somebody all at once, which can be upsetting, um, or you can lose someone sort of gradually, uh, but you still need to give yourself the break to like mourn the person that you lost before they started to get sick. Um, oh, right. You know, that, that it, you, you, you need to that rather than, well, I, I, I still was lucky to have, you know, two years with them, even though it's like, okay, but you can still mourn the loss of the person who you knew for most of your life, you know, the younger, more immediate version of them. Um, so I sort of have this with shows uh, this past year. Yes, I've been lucky enough to find things like this podcast, or do the radio show or do some things virtually, but I still mourn the loss of all the shows we didn't get to do. Um, oh, yeah. And that's a, and it's a real, it's a real, you know, void um, of that. So I sort of thought that there, there should be some day that uh, all the musicians and performers sort of like collectively mourn the loss of the possible creative output that was denied us uh, this last year. So again, I don't know if it was like all shows day um, or <laughs> yeah. day of the dark stage, you know, yeah, but uh, yeah. just take a point like, yeah, we've all figured out ways to adapt and adjust, but that doesn't mean that that loss is not still real and not painful and won't take some time to uh, put behind us if ever. So uh, I am I, allowing myself that and I encourage other artists of any kind uh, who have lost a chance to, to be on a stage or uh, do anything that they do and, and just say, yeah, that really sucked, that really hurt. I think it's not just um, artists though too because I'm hearing some of the same things from my friends who are teachers in particular. Yeah. Who, um, you know, you get to know kids and you get around to March or February and you're really starting to kind of like things are, are picking up and you're, you're cooking as a classroom. And, uh, but then, you know, there was just a real loss of those relationships with those, uh, with those students. And, and I think it happened all the way up and down the board, you know, um, you know, I watched it even with uh, my younger daughter who is, you know, taking a break from college right now, because, because like it, it just, she just doesn't feel like it's the same experience. And so I think a lot of students who have, uh, you know, I've got friends of friends whose, you know, kids are, are supposed to be graduating college this year. And, you know, what did they, they missed out of a whole senior year. I got, I've got a niece who is a senior in high school, you know, albeit in Texas, which is much more open than a lot of places, but, yeah. but still, you know, is, has missed out on a lot of the things that she would normally do, you know, no prom last year probably no problem this year, you know, all of these little things, it's, uh, you know, it's a real loss in it. And yeah, there, in some ways, you know, there's a lot to be, to count our blessings for and that they haven't got sick and things like that, but also, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. We need to take some time to mourn those losses. And I think there's some wisdom in that. Tom, uh, um, some sage so advice. Sounds like we sure could use a song to, uh, <laughs> well, lift our souls. Yeah, so talking about sage advice, this is a song of a type of motif that I call uh, sage vagrant songs or uh, the happy hobo songs, like the song where hey. you, you you meet with someone who uh, is uh, maybe a little older, a little wiser, has lived a little harder life uh, and has some wise things to say to you. Uh, the, the theme this week was toasted coconut, which I had a really hard time fitting into a song, but I think it turned out 
pretty good. It turned out all right. I'm happy with it. So here we go. A uh, little toasted coconut for you. We're sniffing around in old downtown. I ran across the trail of Mad Dog Brown. I said, doggy, my friend, it's good to see you again. And we washed a drop of whiskey down. With a sweet, sweet taste, put a smile on his face, and his eyes, they got a little glow. He said, life is a cake if you know how to bake it, but you gotta learn to mix the dough. Well, you take a cup of love from the good Lord up above, I hear he keeps it in the sugar bin. Next comes high flour, you grind it every hour, you spend helping your fellow man. Well, the friends that you make, they're the icing on the cake. Better cherish everyone that you got. And the liquor is the toasted coconut. Sometimes you gotta sprinkle just a little on top. Said, buddy, you know it ain't the way that it goes. It's the way that you take it down in your soul. Some days you're high as a bird on a wire. Then there's other times you're in a hole. Either low or high, it ain't no mind. Just keep it in the middle and between the lines. Be who you gotta be. Remember this recipe and everything gonna turn out fine. He said, take a cup of love from the good Lord up above. I hear he keeps it in the sugar bin. Next comes flour. You grind it every hour. You spend helping your fellow men. Uh, the friends that you make, they're the icing on the cake. Better cherish everyone that you got. And the liquor is the toasted coconut. Sometimes you gotta sprinkle just a little on top. Yeah, the liquor is the toasted coconut. Sometimes you gotta sprinkle just a little on top. Very nice, Josh. Next time you take a take a sip of liquor, Tom, I hope you'll think it's this is the toasted coconut and don't make it the flour or the sugar, I think is the, <laughs> the lesson there. That is the lesson. Well, great. Uh, very much enjoyed this episode. Be sure to join us next time. We'll be uh, talking with my friend Jim Burnfield, who has directed a documentary called Me to Play about uh, two actors who suffer from uh, Parkinson's who are staging a version of Beckett's Endgame. Um, and that documentary is uh, screening as part of the Slam Dance Festival, which starts on February 12th and festival passes are available since it's all virtual. So I'm looking forward much, to that discussion. Very much looking forward to this documentary. I actually think that I read, as, as I've been looking at what you sent, I think I read a little bit about this production uh, back when it was happening. So I'm very much interested to, to hear uh, from Jim and, and excited to be a part of uh, this. So tune in again next week, folks. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll all devour together then. Yum, yum. <laughs> See you then. One take, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs>